welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure and not just a giant to-do list. And part of passion is emotion. And so this month on the blog, we've been talking about emotional maturity. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Like, how do you handle your emotions well? And how do you feel emotionally connected to your spouse? So yay, we're actually not filming in the closet anymore. <laughs> we figured out a way to do this in the kitchen. And not just that, I have an actual guest that isn't related to me coming on our podcast for the first time. So without further ado, let's move to our first segment with Mark Allen Shelsky, author of Wisdom of Your Heart. Well, I am thrilled to have my very first guest ever on our podcast that is not actually related to me. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yes, so Mark Alanchelski, we go way back, but I've never seen you move before because I've only That's ever right. seen you as, <laughs> as an avatar. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The same, the same for me. We can now both confirm that we are indeed real people. Yes. And I have so enjoyed following you on Twitter. I found you on Twitter first, I think around the time your book was releasing, um, The Wisdom of Your Heart. And, and I bought the book. I read it. My husband read it like this summer. It was on my Kindle and he read it while we were camping and loved it. And so you, I, I keep talking about you all month as we've been doing our emotional maturity series and how to handle emotions. And I keep coming back to you got to get the wisdom of your heart. So oh, I have you here. I'm excited about it. And so we're going to talk emotions. Let's do it. Okay. I, what I want to do is I'm going to throw you a couple of quotes and then I'm just going to have you comment on them. So um, these are some from early in your book. You said, it's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature, which I thought was interesting. So you're, you sort of equate the two. Uh, they are connected deeply. I think they're different, but they're connected with a tight rubber band. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think many of us grew up in environments that saw them as separate that you could mature spiritually. And that would look like things like learning how to better read your Bible and learning spiritual practices, methods for prayer, you know, structuring your life around spiritual practices, church attendance, church volunteering. Like these are all tools that we were given and we were told that if you'll do these things, you'll mature spiritually. And there was very little attention given to emotional maturity. If mm -hmm. any, it was negative attention. And so what happens is, you have a community of people who are getting better and better at doing religious activities, mm -hmm. but still have never grown emotionally. And what that means is they still have maladaptive emotional responses. They still have repression. They still are afraid of what they're feeling. And as they get more and more embedded in the Christian community, maybe even becoming leaders because they're so good at doing Christian activities, mm -hmm. they still are really emotionally immature. And the fruit of that is always broken relationships, people that do destructive things. Emotional energy comes out. Even if right. you don't think you have it, it comes out. And if you don't attend to it, it will come out in ways that hurt you and the people around you. And that's what we're seeing in the church. People that are well-equipped to do church and poorly <laughs> equipped to be authentic, open, and honest about what they're experiencing in their inner world. Right. And I love this one. I think this probably sums up why you wrote the book. You said, I discovered that my own spiritual growth requires facing my emotional brokenness. Yeah. Right. And, and is that part of emotional maturity? Like what, what, how would you define emotional maturity? Um, I think the, the simplest way to get at it, and certainly it's a, it's a large conversation, but the simplest way to get at it is this. 
we understand, we come to understand that first, emotions are a natural response that happens in the brain and the body, responding mm -hmm. to an outward circumstance or an inner experience. That's what an emotion is. Mm -hmm. Then we express that emotion through some kind of reaction or chosen activity. All emotions come with energy, right? I get mm -hmm. angry, I want to punch you in the jaw. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I get sad, I want to withdraw and pull away from people. Emotional energy is a part of the emotional response and it makes you want to act. So emotional mm -hmm. immaturity is when the natural response of emotion and your action are wedded together so closely that you experience them as one thing. I felt and acted without thinking. Okay. Emotional maturity mm -hmm. is when those two things are separated so that there is a space for reflection, right? I'm okay. noticing what I'm feeling. I know what this feeling is. I know what this feeling might mean. I can think about whether the trigger is objective or subjective. I can think about whether my response is selfish or other-centered, and then I can choose to express that emotional energy in a way that's constructive. That space and how well you can hold that space in the middle of a powerful emotion, that's emotional mm -hmm. maturity. Oh, I love that so much. I absolutely love that. Okay, I'm gonna have to create a graphic about that or something, but, <laughs> but what I found is that maybe one of the reasons that we run away or we aren't able to mature emotionally in the church is that we actually don't like emotions. Like I got a story for you. When my girls were little, so we're talking late nineties here, we had this video series, VHS video from something called the donut man. And he had these songs and he had this song and it went, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. We all know that. Right. right and yeah, then sure. if you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet, if yes, you're happy good. and you know it, shout amen. And so we would sing all this and that was all great. So then I started going to this play group in our local public school for toddlers. And she sang that song as well, but she sang it very differently. She sang, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. But then she sang, if you're angry and you know it, stomp your feet. Yes. And if you're sad and you know it, cry boo-hoo. Right. And I thought, wow. The yeah. only emotion that the donut man <laughs> let my kids have was happy. <laughs> like, right. like there right. was no angry. There was no sad. There was only happy. Right. And yeah. why do we do that? So this is a great question because I think we intuitively think of certain emotions as negative uh, mm -hmm. because they don't feel good. Right. So anger and sadness and irritation and disgust, these emotional reactions in our body, they are uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they can bring up anxiety. We can feel stuff happening, you know, our muscles constricting, or maybe we can have like a tightness in our shoulder and we've, we end the day feeling like we worked hard. And then all the actual thoughts that accompany those emotions, it's all uncomfortable. We'd, we'd rather not, we'd rather not experience that stuff. So just intuitively, we identify them as bad. That is compounded because we live both in a society, Western mm -hmm. culture, and many of us in churches that have told us expressly that the way you get ahead in life is to think positive. The way that you right. show your faith as a Christian is to just trust and believe and claim God's promises and move forward into positive expressions of faith. And we're sort of told directly or implicitly that those negative emotions are an obstruction to us. They're getting in our way. We want to avoid them. And so that idea is very common. But here's the thing. Emotions are a natural reaction in your body and your brain to a circumstance outside of you or an experience inside of you. 
-hmm. They're a natural reaction. They are neither good nor bad. There is nothing moral about or immoral about feeling anger or sad or happy or joy. Mm -hmm. They're reactions inside of you. They're designed mm -hmm. to tell you something, right? The metaphor that I use in the wisdom of your heart is to think about that flashing red light on the dashboard of your car, right? The check engine light. Right. I'm not a car. I'm not a car guy. I know nothing about what's going on under the hood. <laughs> and so when that light starts to flash, it causes me enormous anxiety. I hate it. Right. Because it, it means I'm going to have to spend a whole bunch of money. I, you know, my car might blow up at any second. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I hate that light. Right. And so the way that we relate to emotions in our society is often as if we see that light flashing and we just put tape over it. Like, don't think mm -hmm. about that. Just don't think mm -hmm. about that light is flashing. Just manifest positive thoughts. Just keep driving. We're just going to keep driving where we're going. Everything will be fine. Just don't think about that, which of course is absurd. Right? right. That light is is a true data point. It's telling you something's going on in your car. It might be really big and it might need a mechanic. It might be really small. I have a friend whose check engine light goes off when the gas cap isn't tightly sealed. Mm -hmm. Crazy, right? <laughs> that light, you don't know what the light means, but it means something. That's what's going on with your emotions. When you feel a response of anger or a response of sadness, it's coming up to tell you something. Hey, this is going on in your environment. Stop. Notice. Take stock. You should respond to it. And that's not a good or a bad thing morally to have that feeling. It's just a part of how you're made. The, the morality enters in to how you choose to express that emotional energy toward the people around you. Right. I love that. So, so, but a lot of us, I think, grow up with the idea that certain emotions are bad because they make our parents feel bad. So if For you're sure. sad, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you're sad, then you're not grateful and you can't be sad because that makes everyone around you sad and you certainly right. can't be angry. And so we're not taught even to recognize these emotions. Like we, right. I think a lot of kids and a lot grow into adults who can't even name what it is that they're feeling. So their shoulders are getting tense. There's something's going on in their chest, but they can't even name what that is. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. And, and that's because parents and then parents were kind of representing culture at large are uncomfortable with the emotion. We don't know how to handle or be with a person who's in that deep emotional space. And so we pat our kid on the back and we say, they're there, everything's okay. Stop crying. Right. When in fact, if they're sad, yeah. they are feeling an emotion. That's a reaction to loss. They are feeling loss. You as a parent might not think it's a big deal. You may mm -hmm. not think that their loss is objectively big enough to qualify for sadness, but they are feeling loss, right? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to come alongside them and put your arm around them and say, oh, I know how that feels. You're feeling sad because you lost that opportunity or you lost that connection with a friend or whatever it was that happened. That really hurts. I understand. Mm-hmm. It's okay. If you want to go to your room and cry for a little bit, if you want to write an angry poem on this piece of paper, that's fine. Go ahead and do that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what the parent is, is expressing by that is, and this would be the same for partners, is mm -hmm. I'm not unhinged by you having a painful emotion. Right. I can be with you and I can be near you while you process this emotion, which belongs to you. I, I'm not mm -hmm. feeling it. I'm not feeling that loss around, you mm -hmm. know, you didn't get it, get a chance to go to your friend's house. I'm not feeling that, but this isn't about me. You're the one that's feeling it. And I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm with you. Right. Yeah. And just that gives permission to name it. Oh, it's sadness, uh, to feel it, 
that's what you do with emotions. You feel them. Um, mm -hmm. And then to process through it and come out the other side and be able to move on with your day or your life. That's emotional maturity, right? You can sit with it long enough to be with it so that whatever comes next, you can participate in that without it being cluttered by that emotional response. And so right. we have to learn it, that emotions, all of them, even the uncomfortable ones are necessary for us. Maybe, maybe not mm -hmm. fun, but mm -hmm. necessary. And working through them is a part of health and maturity, spiritual maturity and personal maturity as a human being. Right. And now I do have one last thing I got to ask you before we go, which is, do you think this is a bigger problem for guys? I think it's a huge problem for guys. I think that many of us, certainly my age and older, grew up in a culture that said that what manliness is, is a certain mm -hmm. kind of stoicism. And that it shows that you're strong if you don't express these negative emotions. Right. Uh, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's destructive. Uh, if you don't process these emotions, it, it will corrupt your relationships. It will cause you to make decisions that are not wise. You have to process them. But our culture has said you're weak. Uh, truthfully, I think the, the difficulty is our culture has gendered emotions. Mm -hmm. And so women are allowed to be sad, but men are not. Men mm -hmm. are allowed to be angry, but women are not. Yes. Which is yes. ridiculous. It's exactly the same thing as saying men are allowed to sweat, but women are allowed to shiver when they're cold. Dumb, right? <laughs> it's completely stupid. The body sweats when it needs to sweat. It shivers when it needs to shiver. In the same way, emotions happen naturally in response to things that happen in our lives. They're not gendered. Every human being has them all. And if you repress them or don't express them, it's going to create unhealth in your life, in your spiritual life, in your relationships. Yeah. One of the things that I really appreciated about your book too, that you brought everything back to is that God is an emotional God. And part of being made in the image of God is being emotional. Yeah. And I don't think that we get that. No, the, we have a picture. We have, many of us have this picture of God being so removed from human existence, almost alien. And the spirituality that we draw from that is that the more you mature spiritually, the less emotional you'll be. And that sets us up for a lot, a lot of pain. Because the reality is, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, every single mm -hmm. time you stub your toe, no matter how spiritual you are, you're going to have a flash of anger. Because mm -hmm. stubbing your toe is a violation of your body, and the natural response to violation is anger, and that's going to happen. Now, if you're more mature, you're not going to kick things over. You're not going to throw your <laughs> cell phone at the wall because you know, oh, yep, that just happened. I understand. And you're able to process that little violation through. But if you're less mature, you won't, right? And so growing spiritually does not mean becoming less emotional. It means becoming more fully human, more fully who we were created to be. And emotions are a part of that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being our first guest. I hope we will have you back lots because you're awesome. And I love your book, Wisdom Aww. of Your Heart. And is there anything else you want to plug? I know you have a podcast yourself. 
I do. I have a, a semi-regular podcast a couple times a month called The Apprenticeship Way that is about following Jesus in very practical ways. It includes some of this inner life stuff. Um, to support the wisdom of your heart, I also created a workbook called The Untangle Workbook that actually gives you a template for taking an emotional experience that you're wrestling with and processing it through so you can understand what happened and how to respond to it with wisdom. And so for someone that's really trying to learn this, it's a great tool that will give you training wheels. And um, a friend of mine who is a trauma therapist worked with me to develop a training called the Untangled Workshop that actually takes you in a day through this process. And of course, because of COVID, we can't do it live uh, <laughs> yeah. right now, but there is an online version of it. And so you can find that at my website. And so if you would like in the privacy of your home to get some training on how to walk through your emotions and listen to them, go to my website down at the bottom. You'll see the Untangled Heart Workshop. It's about five hours of video. It's got a, a workbook and notes. It's got exercises that will help you understand these things. And uh, that might be a good starting place for someone who's saying, you know, I feel like I don't understand all of this energy in my body. I don't understand how it's impacting my relationships. This might be a good place to start. Awesome. Well, I will put the links to those in the podcast description and in the post that goes along with this podcast. So you can check those out. And thank you for joining us, Mark Allen Shelsky. Thank you so much, Sheila. I'm thrilled to be here. I really love your work and support what you're doing. Think that uh, what you're doing is important. Thank you. All right. He is smart. And I have another smart person on, but this oh, one is related so to me. So Keith has joined me at the kitchen table yeah. here. This is like your new office. I know. Well, actually my, my office is that yellow chair that's right behind there. But you know what I mean? <laughs> that's where I sit and do all my work. Very bad for your back. But anyway, what did you think of his definition of emotional maturity? That idea oh, that, yeah. you know, emotions and reactions are separate and maturity is having that yes. reflection space in the middle. I love that. Oh, I know for sure. Absolutely. I, I like in my job, I'm a pediatrician, right? So I see emotionally immature people all the time mm -hmm. and it's not a bad thing because they're kids. They're supposed to, you know, they're yeah. not supposed to yes. be mature yet. Yes. I get to help parents coach parents in teaching their kids emotional maturity. And, and that's one of the big things is realizing that you can choose to respond different ways to the same stimulus is mm -hmm. a big part of becoming mature. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So like a kid comes in and they're anxious or they're yeah, sad. Anxiety is a perfect example. And that's actually a perfect example of what he was talking about, how we don't allow people to mm -hmm. feel certain emotions, especially mm -hmm. boys. Yes. You know, yeah. but that's another story. We'll probably <laughs> talk about that too. But, but we don't allow people to feel certain emotions, you know, especially in the church. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, if, you know, if, if God's in your life, you'll never feel any fear, anxiety, right. nervousness, all yes. that kind of craziness. Yes. Right. And I talk to parents about that because I often I'll see parents and they'll have kids with anxiety and their initial response, I think will a lot, you know, it's pretty typical is trying to convince the child why they don't need to be Anxious. Anxious about yeah. this thing, right? So the kid will be anxious and it'll be out of proportion to what is actually happening. And I tell the parents, you need to realize this child is feeling anxiety right now. They're in a fight or flight mode. Yeah. Like they're not in a logical mode. If you talk to them logic, it's like it's like a deer in the headlights. It's like saying to a deer in the headlights, you know, if you stand there, you're going to get hit by a car, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. deer, the deer's not thinking logically, right? Mm -hmm. So so you need to come alongside your child and help them identify what they're feeling and help them to realize they're safe. And once that sort of Mm -hmm. emotional response they can process that then they can move on to the logical part of things and, yeah and, and why you don't need to be so anxious about this test yeah exactly. or whatever it might be yeah. that does seem to be a problem that goes with people throughout their lives if they don't develop those skills as kids yeah. is that when you can't name what you're feeling or when emotions are seen as something bad then you can't enter into an emotional 
conversation. Yeah, it's must, very hard yeah. to connect emotionally. And of course, in marriage, you want to be intimate, which means you need to connect emotionally. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, was it last week? I don't know when it, I think it was last week. Our post in our emotional maturity series was on stonewalling. Yes. And stonewalling, for those of you who don't know, is a defense mechanism or I don't even know what the word is for it, but it's it's a reaction yeah. where you refuse to engage. Yeah. So somebody brings up an issue, someone's trying to talk to you, and instead of engaging, you just refuse to talk, you retreat, yeah. and you deflect, whatever it might be. Yeah, and we're not talking about, hey, you've, you've touched something that's very sensitive for me, and I'm reacting emotionally now, and I need time to calm down, Right. and we can talk about it later. Right. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a person no. who's saying... I want to be mature here and not blow my top. Yes. <laughs> We're saying a person who's saying we are not going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like either physically saying that or demonstrating with their right. actions. This is off limits. Yeah. We don't go there. Yeah. It's a stone wall. You just can't penetrate it. Yeah. And John Gottman has written some amazing stuff about marriage with his Gottman Institute. He calls this one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in marriage. And so maybe we'll talk about the other three at some point as well. I know contempt is one of them. I forget what the other ones are, but (laughs) But 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 stonewalling. For those who don't know, four horsemen of the apocalypse, what that means is that you know, Armageddon is coming on your marriage if you have this continuing Yeah. And stonewalling is one of them. And he does say that while... A lot of these things are, you know, men and women equally do it. This this is something which 85% of the time it's a male. So it doesn't mean women can't stonewall. No, no, for it's sure. It's just that this does tend to be something that husbands do more. Yeah, and, and that's exactly because of what your speaker says. I mean, mm-hmm. men are not taught how mm-hmm. to deal with emotions. Right. So our only defense when we're being attacked emotionally, or we perceive like we're being attacked emotionally, yeah. if we haven't developed those skills, is to just retreat. Yeah. You know, because my options are either get angry, mm-hmm. which I'm not allowed to do, or <laughs> yeah. just feel nothing and go behind the stone wall and stay safe. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, that's why a lot of guys yeah. do that. And I think that's an important point to make is that for a lot of men, it is a self-preservation mechanism. They're not, they're not necessarily trying to be adversarial, which is what it ends up being. Yeah. They're, they're actually trying self-preservation, but in the end, it is going to destroy the marriage. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, it's not to excuse that behavior. It's just more to explain it. Yeah. And so in that post on stonewalling, we had a lot of really interesting comments, and I want to highlight two of them, and then maybe you and I can talk through this in the next few minutes. So one woman wrote, in my marriage, I don't think we've actually ever dealt with an issue completely. My husband won't talk about the issue, like zero words come out. He doesn't walk away or get angry. He simply won't say anything, or on the rare occasion he does say anything, it turns into him bashing himself. I then feel terrible, and I end up apologizing for even bringing it up in the first place. I have been taking a new strategy in which I lay out everything that's wrong. I tell him what I could be doing better or differently. And then I give him time to collect himself and answer in a day or so. This has turned into him still not addressing the issue and acting as though everything is fine and still wanting all of his needs met. I honestly feel as though I'm going crazy. I don't know what to do. He simply won't engage in conversations that need to be had. Mm, That's tough. Yeah. And then another woman follows up. With a similar story. Oh, there's more. Yeah, but no, it's a similar thing. Okay, so we can, say, there's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah, but I think we can deal with this. Because again, I, and I do want to say this. You know, when we answer reader questions, we're really not trying to give advice to the particular person because we don't know all of the yeah, yeah. circumstances. What we really want to do is talk about the issues. So so we'll just we'll look at these two different stories and then, and then we'll just talk about these things generally. Okay. 
So this other woman says, my husband is learning and growing in this area, but he is emotionally immature. He 100% meets his responsibilities. He's an exceptional provider. He's reliable. He's stable. He's consistent. But talking about his emotions or mine or certain taboo topics is totally off limits. He reverts to emotional manipulation like the first commenter mentioned. So she's referring to the one we already read. Or he explodes in anger. I have certainly had my part in it, but I'm learning how to address issues in a way that's calm, reasonable, where I don't make assumptions about his motives, etc. I do believe part of his emotional immaturity stems from having a mother who manipulated him and a passive, unemotional father. Over the years, I've learned to usually not respond in anger, but I have a hard time being assertive enough to bring up sensitive topics again after the explosion. And I 100% agree that this type of emotional immaturity is a huge obstacle to real intimacy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got one guy who refuses to talk. Yeah. And one guy who just blows up in anger. And in both cases, they're stonewalling. And, and the one guy who refuses to talk, if he ever does talk... The conversation will go something like, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible person. I don't know why you yeah. married well, me. Well, it doesn't say that he says he's sorry. No, he, he says, says he bashes himself. He bashes himself. And, yeah. And I think it's really neat because in the second comment, the woman says, she references the emotional manipulation in the first comment, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to label that because that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I mean, he, not be, he may not be in his mind going, oh, I'm going to turn on the tears now and beat myself up and then she'll stop bothering me. Mm-hmm. He may not be thinking that through, you know, rationally. Logic. Yeah. But that's what he's doing, right? Yeah. And and I, and I think we do need to watch that kind of stuff. And I, and I don't think that's a man thing or a woman thing. No. In fact, I, actually, in, classically, in our, in our classically, marriage, it's probably me I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers to any women, <laughs> but classically, that is kind of a woman yeah. thing, right? Like, oh, I'm so terrible, like, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And you feel sorry yeah. for them, so you don't want to yeah. attack them anymore. Mm-hmm. So you let go of the issue. And, mm-hmm. and the key there is, is to separate the person's feelings from the issue. So let's say I have an issue that I want to bring up with you. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a difficult thing for you to hear, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to be have hurt feelings mm-hmm. when something's brought up, yeah. but you need to separate those two things out. It's like okay, we can talk about your hurt feelings about that, but we are not going to jettison the initial issue that came up. Okay, so let's just let's let's try to walk this through. Let's say let's say that pick an issue. What's an issue? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, let's say, see. What's bugged you about me recently? No, no. You know what? Let's do something that has nothing to do with us. Okay. Oh, I know. I know. I think. Oh, that, you were just I think, you were I think you're being. I think you're being too harsh with our eight-year-old. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually a very typical one because typically it's sort of like one parent is more of the yeah. disciplinary than the other yeah. one, and they okay. dis- you disagree about that. Okay. Okay. Good. So here we go. So who's the stonewaller? Am I the stonewaller? You're the stonewaller. So I'm not gonna defend myself. I'm just gonna not talk. Yeah. Okay. Or you're gonna bash. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to get my acting gear and acting Okay, okay ready? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Hun, you know, I've just been noticing that, like, Jimmy seems a little bit like he's not comfortable with you lately because you've been, you've been kind of harsh with him. Yeah, well, that's your opinion, and I understand that, but I don't think I am. No, that's not stonewalling. That's wait, That's nice. That's too nice? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to stonewall then. Okay, I do. <laughs> You can be the stonewaller, and yeah. I'll be the okay. I'm yeah. ta- so basically, I think you were too hard on the kids. Yeah, you ready, mm-hmm. uh, sweetheart? I think we need to talk about you know what happened mm-hmm. with the kids because I mean I support you and everything, but I think you kind of went a little overboard and you're a little too harsh on them. They're my kids. Yeah, and they're my kids too, and so you know we have to talk about how we're going to handle these kind of things in the future because I am handling them, and I really don't appreciate you stepping in like this. I'm not stepping in. As you can see, I'm talking to you about it afterwards. We've, the kids are not here. We're actually discussing this because I think we need to come up with a strategy that we're both on the same page. 
Do you not agree we should be on the same page as far as parenting goes? I'm a good parent. I never said you weren't a good parent. I just think we need to talk about these things. Uh, I didn't mean to upset you. I'm just trying to address the issue. What? So you think I'm a terrible parent then? Uh, as I said before, I didn't say you're a terrible parent. I don't think you're a terrible parent. I just think we need to have a conversation about how we're going to handle think You think that I'm wrecking the kids? You think that they're going to turn out terribly okay. because of me? Obviously, you're too upset to deal with this right now, but this is something we need to talk about. So um, I'm going to give you some t- time to calm down and we can come back and talk about it at the time. You do think I'm a terrible parent. You think that I'm wrecking the kids. You think that, that they're going to turn out awful and honestly, I don't even know. Like... Like, everything that's wrong is always my fault because, you know what, I am a terrible parent. Like, I am. I'm just awful. Like, I don't even... They're going to grow up and they're never going to talk to me and I'm just terrible. Why do you even love me? Like, you obviously don't think I'm a good person. Like, why are you even here? You obviously think I'm a terrible person. Okay, I think we've kind of strayed from what we originally started talking about. Uh, And I think that we both are not in a good position to talk about this right now in a rational way. So... I think let's just put a pin on things for now and we'll try and pick this up later when we're both calm and able to deal with this. Okay, so that's what you can do when someone starts to, to totally yeah. self-bash. That was kind of like pretty dramatic. Like That's what people are dealing with though. <laughs> I, I, I was like, like, who did you, who are you? <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> yeah. We'll switch roles for a sec here. Okay. And let's say that... that I don't think I can be that. that, that. <laughs> I can be way angry. <laughs> so let's say that, that you've just refused to talk. You know, I'm the one who's refusing to talk. You refuse to talk or you've done the whole self-bashing thing. And, and I've said, let's leave it for another time. Okay. Then you could say something like, I know that you didn't want to talk about this earlier, mm-hmm. but we do need to talk about this. Yeah. And even if you don't like talking about it, this matters because our kids matter. Yeah, you don't let the issue go. Mm-hmm. And, and if you need, sometimes people need to write things down because it's easier to yep. talk in like a letter or an email or something like that than it is mm-hmm. to talk face to face. Sometimes you need another, a third party, like a, like a counselor or somebody like who can help you walk through this kind of stuff. Yeah. Some people need some help sometimes. But the other thing is like if someone is starting to get angry, yeah. let's say that they're starting to say, you think I'm a terrible parent. Well, and... it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you're saying that when, when, when emotions yeah. are really, really high, mm-hmm. you cannot think logically. I mean, this mm-hmm. has been shown in multiple studies, right? We, right. I, I kind of, the way I kind of describe it, like as a doctor yeah. is yeah. you kind of have two brains, right? Mm-hmm. You have like an animal brain yeah. and a human brain. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, God's given us Self, the, the instinct for self-preservation, mm-hmm. you know, and so we get in these fight, flight, freeze situations when emotions <laughs> are too strong. Yeah. Right? And so you cannot think logically when that animal brain is just going crazy and you're too emotional. So right. you need to address that thing first. You need to calm yourself down and you need to be able to think th- through things logically. You're not going to solve a fight when you're screaming at each other. It just won't happen. Right. But if the person is always screaming... <laughs> Because this yeah, because is what the second person says. It's become now a defense mechanism, right? Right. It's a way I of scream, avoiding the fight. If I scream, I don't yeah. need to. I don't need to engage in the in the issue. Yeah, which is very t- com- you know something that I commonly deal with is the, like right. the, the two year old who <laughs> wants the candy bar, so they scream and they get the candy bar. They learn, hey, I scream, I get the candy bar. Excellent. Yes. Right. So <laughs> this person's you know they're not doing it on purpose, but they've learned over time. You know, if I scream, if I if I yeah. if I bash myself, then the problem goes away, and mm-hmm. the problem is that uncomfortable feeling that I don't want to engage. Yes. Right? And the, the first key, the big key, and I think a lot, this is what a lot of people, and I think unfortunately men more than women, but some mm-hmm. women have problems with this too, 
is recognizing that those feelings are not bad, mm -hmm. right? Like, we are uncomfortable with our feelings because we're not taught how to handle them. And so they're scary to us. Right. And there was one book I was reading which talks about feel, people feeling like feelings are a cave versus mm -hmm. feelings are a tunnel. Okay. Right? And so uh -huh. the concept of feelings being a cave is when you start having these very powerful feelings, you feel like you're being dragged into a cave. Mm -hmm. It gets dark. You don't know where you are. Things are difficult. Mm -hmm. If instead you think of feelings as a tunnel, mm -hmm. this is something I have to go through, right. but I'm going to come out the other side and there's going to be light again. It's mm -hmm. a very different concept. And so a lot of us are so scared of our feelings that we react by making the problem go away that made us feel that way rather than going through the painful work of saying, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Do I actually have something to blame here? Mm -hmm. Is my partner being overly emotional? Are they being too harsh with me? Am I not mm -hmm. being harsh enough with myself? Having all those kind of discussions in that space that he was talking about between feeling and reacting, mm -hmm. that whole thing has to happen where you do all that work of saying, hey, what is actually going on here? Mm -hmm. The way I talk about it is, is first you get feeling, then identifying, and then processing emotions. Yeah. And, and the first step is identifying. And to be honest, a lot of guys have just never been taught how to identify what they're feeling. Okay, so let's say that your husband is stonewalling, he is yeah. yelling, he isn't engaging when you come and talk to him about Jimmy. Yeah. You know, and then you, what you could do is you could go to him later and you could say, it seems like you find talking about Jimmy a scary thing. I, Can I, you I, tell me why? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, or, or even just maybe now a new issue comes up, which is not about Jimmy anymore, but which is about, about are you afraid of your feelings? Mm -hmm. Right, like, are you are you unable to process feelings? Mm -hmm. And talking about that in a non-judgmental way, and trying to get some resources to help with that. Yeah, I think what you can do is you can come to your husband and say, "You seem unwilling to talk about Jimmy. I think Jimmy is very important. How can we get to a point where we can talk about Jimmy?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, or the other word you could say is. It seems to me that it's very difficult for you to talk about Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And I think the key thing is that when someone stonewalls and when someone cuts off the conversation, just because one person thinks the conversation is over does not mean the conversation is over. You can choose whether or not to go along with that stonewalling. And this can be a difficult thing, but just because somebody doesn't want to talk about something does not mean that you can't bring it up again later. You know, and the next day say... We have something important to talk about, and we couldn't talk about it yesterday. Yeah. But this is important. Yeah. Or even say something like, you know, we tried to talk about this yesterday, and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. When is a good time for you that we talk about this? Because it does need to be talked about. Yeah. And you can say, would you prefer that I write down my things yeah, first? Or would you, you know. prefer that we just talk? Yeah. You know, or would you, because some guys would actually rather write a memo or an email too, if guys are comfortable doing that. Yeah, a lot of guys do guys, that yeah. at work all the time, you know, figure out how he's comfortable. But just because he says that it's not something that he wants to talk about does not mean that you need to let it go. You know, again, with the caveat that every little thing in your relationship doesn't need to be dissected and, and mm -hmm. you know, worked out to the empty detail. Like, right. you know, you do have to sort of pick your battles and right. kind of be a, have a bit of grace for each other. But in the end, like if something is really important to one person in the relationship, mm -hmm. you know, it's important to the relationship as a whole. Mm -hmm. And exactly. that shouldn't matter to the other person. Exactly. Now, I do want to role play one more thing. Let's okay. say, <laughs> let's say that someone is self-bashing. Yeah. Okay. 
Do you want? Do you want to be the one who's self bashing, or do you want me to be the oh, one? Oh, I'm going to role play self bashing. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Sure. Okay. Okay. You you self bash. Just in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, you just think I'm a terrible person. You think I only care about myself, and, and you just you just think that I'm just the worst person. You're probably right. Like I'm, I, Hun? I'm so selfish. Hun? I know I'm selfish. I know it's my fault. I know. I, I know. You. I know. I love you. Why do you love me? You. I'm just. Why do you love me? I'm such a horrible person. I love you, and I married. Am I doing okay with this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love weird. you, and I married you, and I'm not going anywhere. Uh-huh. But. We still need to talk about this. And just say that. Just repeat that. I love you. I would marry you again. I'm not going anywhere. But we still need to talk about this. <laughs> and You may and, not feel at that point in time that you would marry them again. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if but, you were doing that to me, yeah. <laughs> I would find that hard to do. But you so. just, and you can repeat that over and over yeah. again. And, and, um, and, that, and that's part of what I was talking about is disengaging that animal brain, right? Because mm-hmm. the person takes it as an attack and they're in that fight or flight mode. You're saying, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. That's like, you're safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to react like this because you're safe. Everything's okay. Don't have an emotional reaction. Let's yeah. talk about this logically. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I also want to add to our podcast a new segment called What Does Research Say? Oh, good. Where we're going to oh, look at this. some new studies. We're going to look at just some research and... I'm hearing about this for the first time as well, people. Yes, he is. Um, and, and, and talk about <laughs> what that research tells us. Because I think it's really important that we don't just go on our own opinions, but we actually look at awesome. what data has shown. That's... that's why we did our survey of 20,000 women to help analyze what evangelical teachings have affected women's sexual satisfaction, marital satisfaction, rates of sexual pain, etc. That's coming out in our book, The Great Sex Rescue in March, which you can pre-order now. That's just me plugging that book, you know, but, but research nice matters. Nice segue to the plug. Nice segue. Yes, research matters. And um, yep. here is a study. So you want me to read this study? Yeah. Okay, sure. so basically the study showed that uh, from the Corn Ferry Hay Research Group that they looked at 55,000 professionals and they found that in 11 of 12 emotional intelligence competencies, women outperformed men. Yes. So women are more emotionally intelligent than men. Yes. Period. Full stop. That's what the research shows. Yes. And then there was there was another We're going to come back to that because that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the study. That's not the end of the story, no. There's another study that also showed that when women are managers yeah. in a company, so when you have at least 30% of female managers, you get a 15% increase in the net revenue margin. So mm-hmm. they looked at a ton of corporations yep. across all different countries. Yep. It didn't matter so much whether there's a female CEO. What really mattered was that management yep. level that you had a lot of women in the management yep. pipeline and that this meant that your business performed better. Yeah. Okay. And so, so some of that is probably just having the voices of women, but yes. some of it might be this emotional intelligence. Emotional. Aspect, and that's right? what that's what yeah. the author who, who was talking about both studies was saying is that this is probably because women yeah. are more emotionally intelligent in general. Now, does this mean that women are naturally more emotional intelligent or yeah. that women are better? And, and that men are a write-off, basically. Exactly. Which is what my blog post is about, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, which is coming out next week. Yeah. Yes. And I would say, no, it doesn't. No, I, I agree. Now, it's to me, this is exactly analogous to the whole concept of women are not good at science. Okay. Right? Because for years, there's been this belief that, you know, we would never say men are smarter than women. No. But they are smarter women than math. Yes. You know, that's kind of the mentality that's out there. Yes. And then we balance that by saying, but women are better with, you know, language. language." And it's Mm -hmm. sort of like that the brains of men and women are designed differently. And that's okay because we're still equal, but we're Mm -hmm. just different. Mm -hmm. But the problem is actually science has actually debunked that completely. Yeah. In the last few years, there's been a lot of brain scans, brain studies, which show that the differences that we thought were there aren't 
Yeah, and the issue, the issue is that As. To, do language, to do language or to do science requires a certain skill set, mm-hmm. right? And basically, how much you practice that skill set mm-hmm. increases your proficiency in that area. Right. And w- we tend to encourage girls into developing skill sets that set them up to really be successful in things that require language. Mm-hmm. And we tend to set boys up to be successful in things that require mathematical, visual, spatial, and things mm-hmm. that are necessary for science. Right. And that's what we've tended to do. And so, you know, when men perform better than women in science and math, or women perform better, perform better than men in language, it's because they've been practicing the skills needed for those areas yeah. more than more. the other one. And this is the thing yeah. that I think that applies to this issue, is that, I, as I said, is that I just don't think men are getting the practice. I mean, men are, specifically from a very young age, men are taught to not feel. Mm-hmm. Like they're not taught to label their emotions and process their emotions. They're taught mm-hmm. real men don't have emotions. Right. Right. So right. what's wrong with you that you're feeling? And it? especially Christian men. Yeah. Not just, you know, so, so our society says it, but then we put this Christian slant on it, you know, which, which yeah. is even Because you got the Venn so. diagram of the, like that your, your speaker was talking about how like mm-hmm. as Christians, we're not allowed to feel things. Yeah. And then as men, we're not allowed to feel things. And it's like those two are like a perfect storm. Yeah. So as a Christian man, you yeah. really can't feel anything. Yeah. And it needs to stop because, um, you know, it's interesting, John Gottman that we already talked about, one thing that he said in his book, Seven Principles, I always get the book title wrong. (laughs) What is it? Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work? I think that's what it is. I think so. He said the one big thing we're going to see in the next 20 years that's going to really improve marriage is men becoming more emotionally intelligent. Yeah, because I, and that's what I was trying to say in my blog post too, is that this is not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, this means that there's some improvement that needs to be done, but we can learn these skills. Like as men, we can learn these skills and there's no, we can get better at this. And why wouldn't we get better at this? When we, you see how much of a benefit it has to relationships yeah. if both people are emotionally mature. Yeah. And I do think that millennials are, are leading the way on this. So I will yeah, be interested I, I to see what the next generation the do. But And it's not only men because some women need to learn emotional maturity Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. And often it shows up in different ways. Just as guys yeah. might stonewall, yeah. women might turn on the waterworks yeah. or whatever it might be. But it, it, it ends up being manipulative and it ends up stopping intimacy. And that's not what we want. Okay. As we're getting ready to wrap it up, I have one more tip for people if emotional intelligence is difficult and if having those discussions where you are bringing up issues just doesn't work because one of you retreats, one thing that can really help is to engage emotionally in a safer way. So when you're not bringing up an issue. <laughs> yeah, actually that's a good point. So if the only time your mm-hmm. your partner has to feel emotions is in conflict. Yeah. Well, then that's not the best place to grow yeah. the ability to, to label and process emotions. And, and to talk about emotions, too, because what we really want to feel is that we're emotionally yeah. connected, that, that, that you know how, where I am emotionally and that that has an impact on you, yeah. that I know where you are emotionally and that has an impact on me, because your emotions should impact me and mine should impact you. Yeah. That's what intimacy is. And are so... Are you going to talk about the high-low? Yeah, yeah, I am. But <laughs> one, thing, one thing that, that I really like doing and I think, I think um, really matters is to share... People normally call it the high-low. I don't like calling it that. Sorry. (laughs) But to share your high-low every day. And usually when people do the high-low, they think of it, what was the best thing that happened today? What was the worst thing that happened today? The problem is the worst thing that happened to you might be that you got like a a speeding ticket of 120 bucks, you know? And that's like bad. But... It yeah. doesn't necessarily reflect no. on where you're you are emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Like the thing and so instead what I like to talk about is when were you the most in the groove? Like when did you just feel I am I am moving, I am yeah. in my in my 
purpose I am living I, I am energized like when were you the most energized and then when were you just the most defeated and discouraged mm-hmm. or, or or even another way it's just what was the hardest thing you had to deal with today yeah because that mm-hmm. opens up a lot of emotions why was it hard what was going on yeah. inside you that kind of thing and when you get used to just sharing those things it doesn't need to take a long time you can do it let's say um, as you're getting into bed at night you can go for a walk after dinner yeah. and share you can take 10 minutes before dinner whatever it works for you if you uh, are separate so if he's a trucker and he's on the road right. or if if you're a going somewhere for business, you know, doing it by phone every day just helps you connect because instead of saying, so what did you do today? Well, I had three meetings and then I went out to yeah, lunch yeah, with, yeah. like that doesn't tell you anything about how someone is at emotionally. You don't touch their heart. Yeah, but yeah. if I can tell you, looking through my inbox today was just so discouraging and it's like I'm scared to check my email, mm. you know, and then we talk about, well, why were you scared to check yeah. your email? What was yeah. difficult about it? Then you know where I am emotionally yeah. and then if I'm sharing that with you every day, I start to realize, wow, like email was my discouraging thing three times this week. <laughs> Maybe I need to figure out a different way to deal with email. <laughs> you know? and, and the way it can help with emotional, building emotional maturity too is because sometimes we don't know why we feel like Mm-hmm. Like when I say, what was the hardest thing you dealt with today? And, and you come back and say such and s- something. And I'm like, well, why was that hard for you? And you're like, I don't know. It just really bothered me. Like yeah. that might be a good time to say, hey, well, let's let's talk that through then. What do you think mm-hmm. was going on? Because a lot of times we, you know, especially people who have not learned to process emotions, we just know we feel bad. Yeah. But we don't know why and we can't really put the name on it. And so that's yeah. a good way to do that. And when people haven't learned to process emotions, what they normally share with you is facts. So, yeah. or opinions. So they'll tell you things yeah. like... And my boss, you know, took a chunk out of me today. Why do I... Because he's an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Rather than, well, because I felt small and I felt ridiculed and... And, know, and I'm worried I might lose my job. I'm worried about our financial security. Whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever it might be. And so getting beyond that opinions, getting beyond the facts and getting into emotions, that's, yeah. that's what can really yeah. help you grow. And when you can do that on a daily basis, then it does get easier to talk about... Yeah. Jimmy, <laughs> or whatever the issue might yeah. be. You're talking about now specifically in the context of building emotional maturity, which I think it does a really good job of. Mm-hmm. But if, emo- if, you, if you guys tend to be very emotionally mature, it's a really good way just to build intimacy. Yeah. Like I, I, there were times when, yeah. you know, when I'd be away for hours, like days yeah. in residency, mm-hmm. and we would just not see each other for like almost a week at a time sometimes if you were on the road. Mm-hmm. And then just having that five or ten minutes, it's like you instantly reconnect because you yeah. you go right back to the heart to each other's heart. And it's, it's just a beautiful... Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway, so, so try but it's that. good for building emotional, uh, emotional intimacy, but it's also good for building emotional intelligence. Yes. Yes. And maturity. Yes. All right. So there you go. Thank you for joining us for the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregor from ToLoveHonoredVacuum.com, and tune into the blog as we continue our series on emotional maturity. Keith's post will be up next week, <laughs> and next week we're running our podcast on Tuesday rather than on Thursday. Or maybe Wednesday. It'll be early (laughs) because, of course, uh, next Thursday is American Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, Americans. We had ours six weeks ago, which makes a lot more sense because (laughs) I don't know why you have a huge holiday so close to Christmas. We like to spread ours out. But (laughs) don't don't worry, Americans. You're emotionally safe here. I'll, I'll be with you. 
<laughs> but happy Thanksgiving. And and we will see you again next week. And remember, if you wherever you listen to this podcast, to rate it a five star and give it a review. It helps other people find me and it takes so little time and makes me so happy. And also, please remember to sign up for my email list. I will put a link in the podcast description and in the post that goes along with this podcast where there's lots of other things, including where you can find Mark Allen Shelsky. Um, because in that email, I'm going to start to ask some reader questions mm. that I want to start putting in the podcast so you could be featured. So check that out. And again, happy Thanksgiving. See you next week.